episode 61, Patrick and Cyprian speak with Jason Sirocco as VP of Product at Sectigo. The team discuss Shor's algorithm, cryptography, and the future of post-quantum certificate technology. Welcome to Entangled Things, your quantum computing podcast, hosted by Patrick and Cyprian. Hi, Cyprian. How are you doing? Hi, Patrick. I'm doing good and looking forward for another great episode of Entangled Things. Oh, we never like to disappoint. So we're joined today by Jason. Jason, do you mind introducing yourself to our audience? Yes, my name is Jason Sirocco. I, uh, I'm the head of product, uh, SVP of product over at Sectigo, and uh, been in this industry for a long time. This is actually, I believe, my 23rd or 24th year around PKI, certificate lifecycle management, and uh, been studying this topic of uh, quantum f- ever since uh, Shor's algorithm. So, you know, it, <laughs> glad to be on this podcast to talk through it. Excellent. Excellent. We're very happy to have you. So can you tell me briefly what, what you guys do over there at your company? Yeah. So basically, uh, Sectigo uh, basically started as a, a CA. So in other words, publicly trusted certificates. All of you guys, of course, who ever used a browser and you see the little lock uh, symbol on the screen, uh, all that encryption that's going on is because of an SSL certificate. We supply that. But we, we, you know, more importantly, uh, we are a certificate lifecycle management company, and that includes uh, management of publicly trusted certificates as well as uh, private certificates. So, in other words, authentication, uh, SMIME, uh, anywhere where those SSL certificates or other types of certificates are being used, we provide management for that. So that's that's the basis of uh, what we're into. Well, your world is changing, already changing based on what we know. So we're here to probably talk about, I guess, the future of quantum computing and, and what that means for for everybody living in the uh, the technology world. What are your thoughts on where things are headed? Where things are headed in general, uh, it, I think what we're seeing is, you know, I, I remember, you know, talks from Mikola Moscow over at the University of Waterloo going going way back. Uh, talking about how the linear nature of quantum computing uh, advancements is, is turning out to be very true. So in other words, yeah, the, of course, there's going to be eureka moments and all the technical journalism that we all get fed every day on our Twitter feeds and everything else tell us about, you know, who's in, who's in front with the number of, the most number of stable qubits, you know, IBM, uh, you know, all the, all the other, Google, all the other players. I think what's important for people to realize is that the scientists who really study this, not, not just the engineers who build the stable qubits, but but the the scientists who who really understand how long this is going to take before we end up with an oh moment in cryptography, is th- there's a lot that has to happen. We have to achieve a certain number of stable qubits first before um, something like a, a, a quantum computer with the a, something like Shor's algorithm can start to uh, factorize things like the RSA algorithm and the ECC algorithm right. out of existence. And yeah, go ahead. So there's, there's not a consensus yet that I've seen on how many no. stable qubits that is. I, I've conjectured yep. it's thousands. Others have said yes. it's many more. Uh, any thoughts on that? Yeah. So in terms of the number of stable qubits, you're absolutely right in saying there's no consensus. And I think it has to do with the fact that Shor's algorithm is still rather, it's it's in the theoretical mathematical stages of understanding. It's not like anybody's ever tested it, you know, hard against 
RSA ECC yet. In fact, there was a recent paper uh, that you saw about the theoretical defeat of uh, RSA with a low number of stable qubits. That was out of China, I believe. Exactly, exactly. And and that was, you know, based on an earlier paper as well. So, it, you know, it, what you what you didn't see in that paper was we've tested it, we've tried it. What what you saw was basically the the theories behind it, and that's mostly what you're seeing right now. I've even seen some really good discussions out of uh, Black Hat or, and um, you know DefCon conferences. Um, Spanish fellow who actually was going through quantum annealing. So, in other words, the thought was. It wouldn't be fully gated quantum computers with Shor's algorithm that might be the first to defeat ECC and RSA. It might be quantum annealing, which basically means mm. not not waiting for fully stable uh, qubits. In other words, a- allowing for decayed qubit type computers, the type that uh, you know other types of quantum annealing computers instead of fully gated with another type of algorithm may be the first to first to the gate. I mean, D-Wave's already in the thousands of qubits. I think 7,000 is their state of the art, and uh, they, they've been at 5,000 for quite a while. Um, I do wonder whether they that means they're moving slower to the larger numbers and solving some of the, you know, the problems. But still, 5,000 qubits seems like enough, uh, if you think about it in terms of shores, to do some damage to a smaller size key. And, and to do what you were just alluding to, which is, is some real comp- computing. The problem is we don't have a universal computer with that. Right. And so y- you probably appreciate that more than others. I, I was mentioning this just, just the other day to somebody. We're kind of lucky that, that RSA didn't have a vulnerability that was discovered in the last 20 or 30 years. Because it's, it's possible there's a mathematical way without quantum to break RSA. We just never found it. I'm just amazed that uh, endeavors such as uh, quadratic sieves didn't beat RSA. In other words, it really shows you the the difficulty of the problem. It shows you the randomness of the distribution of prime numbers, especially large ones. It it shows you that you know that the folks who came up with the RSA algorithm really were maybe they didn't realize just how good it was going to be because of the the mysterious nature of that distribution. Or and maybe so- we got lucky. And in 150 <laughs> years, they're going to say, wow, there were like 18 ways you could break that thing. And they never stumbled on any of them. I bet you that will probably be true once we have quantum computing to help us to look through those patterns. Once we have computing that, that will be powerful enough to do that, I almost guarantee that we will be amazed that we didn't figure it out. You know, we didn't stumble upon it some other way. You're right. Yeah. So is... um. You've mentioned that, I think in the past, you've mentioned the quantum apocalypse. Is this the, the point when RSA 2048 is breakable? Yeah, yeah. And, and on every street that, corner? That, that's definitely not my, I didn't coin that term. It's, it's, it's you know, the, the guys at the University of Waterloo came up with that, Mikola Mosca, those, those types of folks. I, I think that, you know, the definition of that is, you know, on, on my own podcast, we talk about what that really means. And, and I, I'd like to bring that up here a little yeah, bit, please. which is, does it mean that it takes you know a year to break a certain amount of SSL stream, for example? In other words, how large is the amount of cipher, and how long will it take? I'd like to argue that you know, for intelligence purposes, right? The intelligence agencies, if something only takes a year and a half to break, then it's broken, right? Yeah. Whereas I think for the rest of us who don't have these state level secrets to protect, 
you're, you're protecting, say, enterprise level business secrets. Um, you know, maybe a year and a half would be acceptable. Maybe you wouldn't consider that an apocalypse. But I, I bet you, if if we get down to, uh, you know, if a, a quantum computer with Schwarzenegger, then breaking, you know, a significant secret within a a month, then we can consider maybe that's quantum apocalypse. So it's those two dimensions together: the amount of ciphertext, the, the size of the secret, and the length of time to break the secret is. To me, we all we all have a different definition of what the quantum apocalypse would be for us. Yeah, there's something that you just pointed out there that that a lot that we really I don't think we've ever even talked about in this is um, I took some of the MIT courses and Peter Shore was one of the one of the professors who was yeah. quite lucky, um, but we don't talk about how long. Most people assume, oh, if Shore's algorithm is ready to break. Uh, a certain level RSA key or elliptical curve, it's going to do it in seconds. And that's not the case. It could very well take um, a long period of time for a quantum computer. Um, But, but that seems kind of counterintuitive when you think about it, because quantum states don't last that long. We're not going to have coherence in a quantum computer for a month for it to take a month to do the order finding. And so it seems like it would have to happen very, very quickly in a quantum computer as opposed to taking weeks or months unless we're dealing with some way to break the problem up. I think there's several ways to define it. One is, uh, it, you, the, I think the ideal state for the attacker would be to very quickly unravel the private key. Right. Then, uh, you know, then everything else is just mechanical and you don't need a quantum computer for that. I, I do think though that in reality, what we're, what we may be looking at is, you know, this problem of pre-recorded SSL mm-hmm. streams, right. Of which you, you, maybe you're not taking a few seconds to break out, uh, you know, to un- unravel the private key. Right. Maybe what you're doing. Save now, is break later. Save now, break later. And you're, you're essentially unraveling over time, uh, a certain number of bits per period of time. And so it's, it, it may be more of a, instead of it being the, this very elegant uh, unraveling uh, within seconds, it, it, it's probably, I, c- I can see it being more like an engineering problem where y- you're taking pieces and trying to infer information out of it. And, well, and so it's, it's different. It's a different problem. Th- this, so if we go back to, to Shore, Shore's, Shore's on the quantum side is just order finding. And so, yeah. which is significant because if we have order finding, we have a novel approach to, to going after, you know, elliptical curve, Diffie-Hellman RSA. Um, I could see now what, based on what you just said, I could see that the quantum part of this would be very quickly. You find the order. Now you have the order. Now what? Well, now there's a brute force that has to occur on a classical computer. And That's while right. it's dramatically smaller than the trillion years it would normally take, it could still take a week, a month, a year to finish that brute force on a classical computer, depending on how big the orders are. So maybe that's that, what we're talking about. And in fact, that's why I, I, whenever I'm speaking about it, I always take into account the full, the full package of what needs to okay. be done to be accomplished. That's right. Okay. So it's, it's, it, the, it's the classical. And that's the thing is I, I there really aren't, there's really nothing I can think of that a classical computer isn't going to assist with that a quantum computer is doing. In fact, that's how we get our data out of the quantum computer. So it, it really doesn't behoove us to think about it just as the quantum piece of it. There's always going to be a classical piece. In this case, it could be the thing that takes months and, and causes us to take a long time. So that's a good way to understand 
why something that's going to calculate in, you know, uh, seconds is going to still take months for it to get its final answer. Yes, and and I would even you know offer here that we we've heard so much about Shor's algorithm, and it's it's just such a good. Um, it, it was a great line in the sand for all of us to realize. Yes, there's been some good thinking about how to actually do that. Do that ordering. I, I don't think, know though, that, that I don't know that we have the computer, the quantum revolution we have today without Shor's because it's the threat yeah, of that's uh, right of cracking encryption that's poured the money from the governments and and that's uh, that's attracted the, uh, the the gold gold hunters uh, to the space. It's not you know. It, it, the, the universities, University of Waterloo, MIT, those those organizations yep. are probably have some altruistic, but it's the arms race that's got everybody interested because we know it's funded. It's it's th- that was so important. It was such a good impetus for showing people. Okay, now now we've got the actual threat. What I would offer is th- there's been so much lip service paid to it, and for absolutely good reasons. What I'd say is that it probably it might not be the only one. Uh, that will end up coming. True, and and so, like I say, even with quantum annealing coming, that there probably will be an equivalent to Shor's algorithm for for you know quantum annealing computers. I, that is new. That is new information. I hadn't even I hadn't even considered that. So, um, the fact that not only could there be other algorithms, I, I considered that, but but the fact that annealing could be brought because it is about problem solving. It's about shortest path. If they can find the shortest path to um, to that. And, and we've actually had a guest on from Los Alamos National Laboratory um, who did fundamental monopole research on a D-Wave computer. So it's not it's not really uh, that mythical of a thing for them to, to, to do discoveries using their platform. I think even as the number of stable qubits goes up and up and up, and, and eventually we have these, you know, full quantum computers, I think I think there's a place for annealing uh, for various types of problems anyway. So um, it, it's it's going to be a, a more interesting ecosystem of quantum computing than I think people realize. It's it's not going to be simple. It's going to be e- even deeper into the future. Y- you might think, well, with enough stable qubits, why would I need something that has decay? That's well, been said. That, 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 that exact. So you know that de- I think those decay computers are are going to have a place because they're always going to have that edge. Um, I, I gotta, I gotta go back and look into this a little bit more because I, you know, I, we, 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 we have a fundamental nature to ourselves, which is when we find a solution to a problem or a solution that we think is to the problem, we stop looking for other alternatives. Um, it's a human that, habit. Yeah. Yeah. That hasn't <laughs> been the case. Luckily that hasn't been the case in, in the different, uh, companies trying, you know, trapped ions versus superconducting bits and things like that. There's still a race there, but eventually we'll settle in on something. And, and, you know, a hundred years from now, that'll be all anybody knows. Kind of like we don't use vacuum tubes anymore. We use transistors. Hopefully we pick the best one, but I hadn't thought about that as far as other ways to skin the cat for, um, for, for breaking RSA and shores. So the, the, the magic question is how long do we have? What's, what's your, what's your indications, opinions? What do you think? I think that uh, Mikola Mosca was right in saying University of Waterloo, uh, you know, the, the thing that he said that stuck into my head was it's going to be linear. It, it may not seem linear. And I definitely, if you, if you look at the, um, the technical journalism, it, they want to make it not seem linear at all because that's how they get clicks, 
right? It's a, you know, they like to report on who, who had a Eureka moment. But if you look at all the Eureka moments added up, it's very linear. And so the, the initial postulation was correct. So like a Moore's law kind of like increasing linear or because there's lots of different lines. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. No, Moore's law is more, um, you know, there's an acceleration through time. And so this is truly linear in the sense that in terms of the angle of the line, that's what we, we can debate. But I think that the, the, to answer your question, when are we looking at the, 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 the sufficient number of stable qubits with Shor's algorithm? You know, if that's the, the goal line, uh, you know, I think that the best we've been able to do is to give uh, ranges of confidence th- through periods of time. And I think that 2026 is when we start to get into the 50% chance of being there kind of kind of dates you know don't quote me the other people have said different uh but i think that as you know i'm an industry guy you know i'm mm-hmm. not into i'm not an academic in the universities doing this right. i i would have been if i would have made a different choice in school but uh here i am on the sell side uh it, within the within the vendor community and i know that for us we we kind of have this 2026 date in mind of being you know, I, I was just interviewing at, at Sushi over from Isara, uh, you know, who, who Atuchi Yamada, who, who's talking about, you know, his giving away of, of the hybrid certificate patents to, to the open community. And, and that's really important because having that done now allows us to plan to, to create, you know, private CAs for people to mess with before uh, the 2026 period. Mm-hmm. I know that Cloudflare right now is using, um, high, you know, hybrid certificates and um, po- post-quantum algorithms in their pre-standardized now, forms. When right? you talk about hybrid certificates, just to make sure everybody's on the same page, you're talking about certificates that are um, using quantum-safe technology. You you are correct. Exactly. You know, the the from the list that that NIST, you know, NIST round three candidates uh, that are going to to full standardization. Uh, right now, the pre-draft standards are available, mm-hmm. and so it is possible to, you know, have a hybrid certificate, which is perhaps an RSA or ECC certificate, exposed on the outside with post-quantum algorithms actually protecting the private key in the in the center. Th- think of a a castle wall and a keep, right? The, the castle castle wall being, you know, the traditional classic cryptographic algorithm, the keep being the post-quantum protected. Uh, piece of the of the certificate and that's so, handled by a field in the x509 certificate so just to back up a little bit um so when we did des it was pretty simple but then triple des made it more complicated are you talking about taking an rsa as a kernel and then using like a lattice to obfuscate it or to encrypt that further or to use that as a seed for i, I, I i'm trying to understand it, 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 yeah, it's a little more elegant than that. In in that there there are basically th- think of a certificate as an envelope for you know for, for secrets. Yeah, and and in fact, in this case, the envelopes ho- holds the two secrets, and the the access to them is you know the knowledge of them comes f- comes from the usage of a an extended field in the X five hundred nine certificate standard. So it's very elegant in the st- in, in the sense that it's it's not one really encrypting the other as much as it is it's available if your computational system is available 
to utilize it. It, it, it. So put it into really plain English, a traditional system that knows RSA or ECC yeah. can look at the certificate and do something with it. And then a subsequent system can go, oh, I've, I've looked at the cert. The cert actually has an extension that I understand that the classic system doesn't. And if, if I want to utilize the certificate, say, to perform an authentication or an encryption or whatever the, it happens to be, I, I'm able to take advantage of that post-quantum uh, piece that is defined for me in the extended field. So it's it's very, very elegant that way. So, so I don't mean to be dense. I, 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 cyber's my my field. I, I just yeah. want to make sure I understand. So it sounds like a great way to solve the problem of presenting the customer with something they're familiar with. So to, on the customer end, it sounds like it's just RSA. They they use they have a decryption key and there's an encryption key and they use those. I don't understand how that if that's broken, if that's readable by a third party, how do you still protect it on the back end? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So it it has a lot to do with the implementation. That that's that is the tr- the, the truth. So in other words, it, it, this isn't for. Let's talk about SSL as the the main use case. Okay. Right. We we will not be able to have uh, web servers that are out there that are not post quantum aware uh, in that in that use case because it, they will not be able to utilize the the post quantum capability of the hybrid certificate. And the and the way you know, let's break it down. So I'm I want to buy something from Cyprian. Cyprian's got a server. He needs a certificate so that I can get its public credential encrypt my traffic so that only he can read it it's a one-way encryption he does he doesn't need a private key or a public key from me he we just need his public private key in the current scenario so that i can get his public key encrypt my traffic send it to him he can decrypt it and really what we're doing is we're sharing a, a session key that then we will encrypt everything with going forward that's that's my conception of ssl Yep. I'm sure it's very simplistic. No, but- that is. And it, and so therefore that use case, uh, you're not going to get away with not having a rewrite of the SSL 1.3 handshake as right. an example. Okay. So, so in other words, it, it, yes, it is a bridging technology, but cert, you know, if you, if you go through the list of use cases, there still will need to be, uh, you know, not, you know, completely rehauls of, uh, of the implementations, and so okay. we're, it's 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 a the hybrid certificate is definitely helping to bridge with systems, but it's not a um, it's it, not it a long term fix. It, ex- exactly right. That's the okay. way to put it. Okay, I, I'm very interested in this because it seems like an interesting um, you know stopgap. Uh, I'm sure it's more than a stopgap, but I'm I'm kind of curious on how it worked because Crystals was the big winner in that last round of NIST, yeah. the round three. Yeah. The key encapsulation mechanism, the only last man standing was Crystal's Kyber. And of the three um, signing algorithms, Crystal's uh, Dilithium. So really, if you wanted to just go with Crystal's and and stuff like that, you could stay with a, a single um, set of technology. And it's it's Lattice. The future is Lattice, is, uh, as I it would is. say. It is. Um, I think I think that NIST, you know, after talking with with some of the folks there, you know, people who are really at the center of this. There's a huge desire to have at least one other, uh, you know, categorization nice. of math. Yeah, it would It'd be nice. It's just that lattice is just so 
so darn well understood. And my goodness, we, we came so close with, uh, you know, the, the isogeny, the problem, of course, again, it came down to the implementation. The implementation was giving away secrets, yeah. uh, you know, which, which was the fear back in 1999. Then all of a sudden somebody's like, geez, I better test that, you know, the theory of that 99 paper. And sure enough, they were able to break the implementation. So back to the drawing board for those guys. Yeah. And so maybe other things will emerge. It's just, we're, we're, we're spoiled by the fact that RSA has been such a standard for so long. And, and so useful. And, and that's why, you know, your industry is got to pay, pay attention. I'm glad, very glad to see that you guys are paying attention to this. Um, I think everybody is, I think everybody is, uh, but for us, especially, you know, for, for, you know, if you're, if you're dead center in the middle of <laughs> the public trust business, this is important, but it's also important for us in the private trust sense. And we have had people come to us saying, you know, we need to start getting our hands dirty with this for designs that are going to be coming out three, four, five, six years from now. And we, we, we need help from the vendor community. So you'd be surprised with, with how far ahead, even the buy side of the community is on this. It's, uh, it's, it's encouraging. Yeah. I'm wondering if Cyprian, Cyprian, you watch the uh, algorithm zoo much closer than I do. Have you seen anything there or anywhere else that, uh, hints at other ways to, to, to influence this? I, I hadn't even thought about the, the using annealing to attack this problem. Yeah. I mean, it could be for, for now it's not obvious, but uh, yeah, might yeah. be as well. We have to we keep don't our know eyes open. What we don't know. No, that's right. We have to keep our eyes open and, uh, and play along with this stuff. So I, I came across um, a couple of studies that I quoted before. I, I, hopefully I'm not boring our audience on this back in 2015. There was a paper that said it would take a billion stable qubits to break shores uh, to use shores to break RSA 2048. And that was reassuring because we were far, far, far from a billion uh, stable qubits in 2015. But four short years later, they, there was a, a new version of the paper. I don't think it was from the same authors. They said they could do it in 20. Now, it feels like a, a, a very geeky version of name that tune. I, I can do it in 20 million qubits. But it's a dramatic improvement over... Um, over you know the if just four short years ago and we're seeing if you just take ibm as a metric them going from 422 qubits to a thousand qubits to four thousand qubits over the course of less than two years almost each time so it feels a lot more like a moore's law and, and this is where we said we you know the slope of the curve and so the slope of the curve is very important to you because it it tells whether or not 2026 2023 or 2033 is the year that we have to be ready. What's 2026 sounds really close. Um, yeah, it sounds like a yeah. lot of error correction would have to be solidified before then, but it's better safe than sorry. I think is probably the philosophy. I, I'm definitely not using, you know, I'm, I'm definitely not a voice in the, what date are we, you know, is it going to happen? I'm okay. more of a voice from the industry of saying, you know, the preparation for it starts right now. Right. And, yeah, it's and so, if yeah, I know there's going to be a hundred year flood and I don't know when it's going to start raining, I should start filling sandbags today. It is absolutely time. Even if a lot of this stuff sounds like just gobbledygook to, to the audience, you know, like my goodness, I don't, I'm not even sure what to be worried about here. I, I think that the biggest thing to tell people is in terms of private trust, especially never mind the public trust use case, you know, the cab forum and all those guys have to come out and figure out what they're going to do. But from, from, from the private trust standpoint, it may be worth 
just testing out things like, hey, stand up a, a CA that can issue these hybrid certificates, choose, you know, choose crystals and go ahead and see what it's like. Look, look at what these certificates look like. Look at the latencies for authentication. Look at the latencies for issuance and just start to get your hands dirty and get a feel for what these things are, because it's going to be different than what we've been used to with RSA and ECC. Uh, this beautiful, beautiful, fast to issue ECC certs have spoiled us. We, we RSA mm-hmm. spoiled us. Yeah, uh, it's going to be different, and so let's let's get our head around it. The time to get your hands dirty with it is right now because we do have the capability of issuing these things. Yeah, uh, it's it's something I hadn't even heard of, so it's very 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 interesting. Is we're we're starting to get down close to thirty minutes. We still got plenty of time, but what um what do you use to keep yourself informed? How did you learn about this stuff? Did you have a physics background? Did you just stumble into it? Uh, believe it or not, way, way back in the day, I was um, I was involved with uh, paleoclimate modeling. And so I guess for lack of a better way of saying it, I'm an applied math guy uh, with a whole bunch of self-taught um, statistical uh, background. So that's that's where I come from. So it's, it's for me from the vendor community, I'm a little odd amongst my peers because I'm, I'm, I work day to day, shoulder to shoulder with either business guys or engineers. And I come at it from the academic standpoint. And so therefore this was always kind of up my alley because I, you know, reading these kinds of papers, you know, understanding that the players, this was this kind of world that I grew up in. So you're at the abstraction layer. That's me. That's me. That's, that's, (laughs) that is, in fact, that defines me perfectly even within the company here. Uh, Cool. Um, so what's next? Is it, do you guys have, um, you know, products that you're, you're working on for the, the end game? Now we talked about hybrid where, where do you go? Are, are you waiting to see who is the first to have a computer capable of, of running shores? Is that, is it kind of like you've got some contingency plans or is that, is that too secret to, to discuss on a podcast? No, I, I, I don't think there's much of a secret, uh, in the sense that I think, I think everybody, in, in especially in the CA vendor community and the CLM vendor community, uh, which are converging here, are, are all working towards basically probably private trust uh, CAs first that are capable of these things. You know, making sure that our systems work with HSMs that that are that have these capabilities. Um, I was just talking with Bruno Couillard, a mentor of mine from you know back in the late '90s when I was working with him. Uh, and he was talking about, you know, the numbers of, of issues that need to be solved. And I think the, the, the industry as a whole, nobody's going to have the full solution. It's the, everything from the HSM players to the CAs to, to, to all the way up to the highest level of, of abstraction, which is the CLMs. Uh, we're all working towards, um, you know, understanding what, what the impacts of this are going to be, to be. And we all have roadmap on this right now. We're also working with, you know, other vendors in this that are more pure, you know, the Isaras of the world. So, so what you're seeing right now is a coming together of, of the better minds in this to, to say, you know, how do we work together and how do we put your IP onto roadmap? Because nobody's got the full solution right now. And, and, it, and probably nobody will, what, yeah. what the end, what the end result will be, will be exactly what I just said. I think where we're at right now is we can finally tell the, the, the buy side, the customers come to us and start to, um, get your hands dirty to have a look at what these certs look like, have a look at what the CAs look like. And then what will happen is, you know, colleagues like mine of mine, like Tim Callen, 
who work uh, very diligently with the cab forum, you know, that's going to be where the, the next set of thinking will be in terms of what's the standardization, what will be, what will be the, the, the type of work that needs to be done in terms of the regulation and governance of that. But then also, you know, you've got a, another set of academia going on, you know, Douglas Debila working on problems uh, around, you know, the, the SSL handshake itself, mm-hmm. which will then inform what the rest of us are doing. So th- there's a whole pile of parallel problems that we are all in this industry working on right now. And I, I think I think it'll come to a head where there probably will be some kind of consortia around this or, you know, a coming together. But but, but right now, it's just I, I can tell you that a whole pile of, of parallel work is happening and uh, not necessarily a secret, which is a good thing. And I got to thank Isara for for open sourcing that those hybrid certificate patents. That's that's really going to help all of us. Yeah, I, that's the first I've heard of that. And I, I need to understand this hybrid hybrid world we, we're going to live in for probably for a good while. Um, it, it sounds like it's, you know, a good solution down the path. And eventually we'll have quantum security. We'll have quantum key distribution and, and things like that. Is, is that anything in your, in your roadmap or is that just too far afield? It, it's, it's, I can tell you right now that it's, I've spoken to mathematicians at the university level on those topics. So that's okay. coming. I think that where it was even a year ago, was some of the top people in the industry right now, top people in the academic uh, realm right now are trying to think through what's the most efficient ways of doing it. I think they've, they've cracked the code of what they need to do. I think they're at the point of understanding efficiencies right now, because that's so important. If it's not efficient, then it's just, it's not going to practically work. Yeah, that's true. Well, I think we're past our time. Uh, Anything else we want to add? Before we we wrap up, it's been great talking to you, Jason. No, it's been fantastic. I got to tell you, e- even this whole topic of of hybrid certificates. For those of you who are curious, um, you know, for for those of you who are in the industry who who know this stuff really well, uh, you know, I, I was speaking at an extremely high level. It's we're still waiting to see some of the clever implementation ideas of these certificates. So that's why I spoke at a level that's. Uh, almost more abstract than than what is currently being used for at the moment. I I, I don't want to inform on the the implementation side of things, which I think is where the most interesting ideas are going to come from. In other words, I think we've got the building blocks to do cool things. We just need to do the cool things now. Yeah, I, I I'm. You definitely gave me some homework. I some things I got to look into. Thanks, Jason Cyprian. As always, good to talk talk to you. And uh, I think that's it for this week. Great show, guys. Thanks. Thanks a lot. Bye, Cedric. Thank you. Bye.